My name is Keith Beavers, and I just found out that it snows metal on Venus. Heavy metal fans, why isn't there a song about this? Snowing metal. Look at him. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Paired Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the... That was annoying. Tasting Instructor of Vine Pair. Sorry. Today, we're going to have a quick little discussion about a word that kind of causes some confusion among us wine consumers. It's called bricks. Cool name. What does it mean? <laughs> This episode of Wine 101 is brought to you by Estancia Vineyards. Even though Pinot Noir is made throughout the U.S., the Estancia Vineyards version, which sources its grapes from all across California, manages to set itself apart. It bursts with bright fruit flavors, it's tinged with a little bit of cinnamon, maybe some brown sugar, and perfectly encapsulates the spirit of Pinot Noir. Bricks. Not B. R-I-C-K-X, but a very cool B-R-I-X. Why is that cool? Because it has an X. Maybe that's why it's so cool. Named after a dude whose last name was Bricks. It was actually the work of two dudes, Carl Balling, and then followed by Adolf Bricks. This is in the late 19th century. I think it's the 1880s. And this work was scaling the gravity of liquids based on the, the, whatever is dissolved within the liquid and how much it weighs. So what they would do is, last episode we talked about sugar, right? Residual sugar. Sucrose is the OG. And then it, in, in grapes, it splits off into fructose and glucose. Well, what they did is they would, they would develop these solutions of pure sucrose and water at specific gravities and they would create and they created a table to guide through those different weights and different gravities of the liquids and this became known as the bricks degrees or degrees bricks you can also call it balling they're both being used because they're both giving they've both been given credit for this work so it's either degrees bricks or balling but for wine purposes this is very useful. And if you think about it from the last episode, if sucrose is being developed through photosynthesis into the grape and then splitting off into glucose and fructose, the must of the harvest or the grape juice, you know, the, the, the must is what will eventually be turned into wine, is filled with dissolved sugars, fermentable sugars. They're not sucrose at this point because they've broken down, but they are similar and they act similar to sucrose. Now there's a lot of other stuff in must, right? That is dissolved. There's tannins, there's acids, there's minerals, but all this is in very small amounts because of all of the stuff that's inside of a grape, 90% is sugar. So when you weigh the, or the, you take the gravity or the bricks level of a grape juice solution, which is called must, the resulting number, because the grape is 90% sugar, 
is a good guideline to how your wine's going to get made because sugar is everything, right? Wine lovers, the yeast strain seeks out sugar and converts it to alcohol and carbon dioxide. That's the whole point of doing all this stuff. So to know how much sugar is in your must weight before fermentation, it's a nice number to know to see how fast it's going to ferment, what, what yeast strains you may want to use, when the yeast is going to start its job. All these things are very important in the winemaking process, and getting that BRICS number is a big deal. But how do you do that? So BRICS is basically measuring the total dissolved compounds in a grape juice. And you don't have to do it at harvest. You can actually pick a grape and figure out the bricks per grape. You can go every grape in the vineyard if you want. And to do that, you can use a, that's a piece of equipment called a refractometer. I don't fully understand this, but I find it, fa if, if I understand this correctly, it's a fascinating little thing. And you can actually, these are pocketing. You could pocketing? These are pocketable. <laughs> you can put these in your pocket, the refractometers. And I'm going to read to you what Jedi Wine Master Jancis Robinson says in the Oxford Wine Companion, just to kind of get a sense of this. A refractometer is an instrument measuring refractive index, which is related to the amount by which the angle of a light wave is changed when passing through a boundary between two media. The amount of refraction is a convenient way to measure solute concentration of a solution. Okay, that was like, what? But what's, from what I'm getting from that is the, the light is refracted through. So what you do is you literally can pick a grape off the vine and then you squeeze it onto this little mirror on the refractor and you slam a little glass plate on top of it. Then it has an eye hole or an eyepiece that has a magnifying glass inside of it. Now, once that glass is smashed onto that grape juice, you put the refractometer up to your eye and you hold it towards the light. As light shines through the refractometer, it is has barriers. The light has barriers to get through. And depending on its refraction through the grape juice, there's a little meter or a measuring, uh, you know, there's a little measuring uh, image there. And the shadow that's displaced by the light will be at a certain number. And that number will give you your bricks level. <laughs> I know it's crazy. So this is a good way of kind of a quick look. Oh, that's going to be the bricks. It's approximately going to be the bricks. It's approximate potential alcohol just by looking at this. Okay, that's cool. But then winemakers just don't do that. They also have something called a hydrometer. This is another way of confirming or showing a little bit of a difference between the bricks you get in the field and the bricks that you get from crushed grapes. So you get some grapes, you crush them up, filter it through a sieve so you don't get all the organic material. So you just have the grape juice with all the, all the dissolved sugars and junk like that in it. And then what you do is you take a, you pour it into a beaker and then you have it, it's like a little floating device, like a pull, like a little stem floating device that actually has increments on it as well. And you float that little device into the beaker and that device will displace itself depending on the weight and gravity of the juice and give you a number. Now, and again, that's going to be the bricks or the balling degree, degrees bricks or balling of that juice. 
So you can you can do a, you can just do one grape or you can crush a bunch of grapes. What happens usually is you have winemakers that take multiple samples from the refractor meter throughout their throughout their spot plots. Then they do an they do an average of that. Then they'll go ahead and crush some grapes up and then they'll float the hydrometer and they'll get a number from that and they'll compare and contrast the number. And what this will do is they give them a general idea of how much alcohol will be in the resulting wine. Is this crazy? Science is awesome. I'm not going to get too into it, but there are other, in other places of the world, like in Europe, there are, and in, well, specifically, well, in Europe and in, in, in Germany and Australia, there are, t- there are other ways of doing this. You get to the same number, but they have different ways of applying it because the history is just different and they developed theirs and then we developed theirs, whatever. But, they call like in Germany they call it the Erxle scale, and they have a way of calculating that. And then in Europe and in Australia they have something called the Bohm scale, B A U M E. That's just another way of getting to the same number because all these scales work to the same result depending on refracting and weighing the gravity of dissolved solids in liquids. Grape juice must. Is your head spinning yet? Okay, well, if it's not, it will here. Check this. One degree bricks corresponds to about 10 grams per liter of sugar. It takes about 16 and a half grams per liter in whites, 18 in reds, to produce 1% of alcohol through fermentation, of course. And using bricks, Erxla, or Bohm, you can calculate, now this is something I don't really know that much, but you can calculate based on those numbers to get a potential alcohol. So it breaks down like this. I'm going to give you an example that I found in the Oxford Wine Companion because I can't do this math on my own. And this is all assuming you're fermenting to dry. You've heard, I've mentioned that term before. You're, you're fermenting it until the yeast can't do it anymore. There's a really good term they call pickling the yeast and it can no longer do its work. But a typical dry wine can measure between 22 to 50-something, around 50 degrees bricks. That translates to 12 to 14 degrees bohm or 93 and 110 degrees Erxla. Now, a wine that's 13.5% alcohol, which is what we always like to think is the happy medium in wine. I mean, it can fluctuate. Wines can be balanced in, in other alcohols all the way up to like 15%, but 23% bricks corresponds to about 13 to 13.5% alcohol. And certain winemakers want that level. For example, in the Willamette Valley, they're looking at between 22, 21 to 23, maybe 24 bricks. And that's going to be the happy medium for them. Anything over that, then it's going to be a, you know, a bigger wine, even though it's made from Pinot Noir. And none of these numbers are absolutely exact, but because like I had said before, 90% of grapes is sugar. That gives you a good estimate. And speaking of hydrometers, those instruments where you float, these can also be used throughout the fermentation process to kind of guide the wine through fermentation. You can take samples throughout the fermentation process to see how the weight changes as the fermentation process progresses. 
and that there's the difference that kind of shows the difference between alcohol strength and potential alcohol. For example, there's some dessert wines, but dessert wines are a really good way. Well, like Botrytis wines, actually we'll be talking about that very soon. Noble rot, Botrytis, you know, put a pin in that, but wines like that can have an alcohol strength of, I don't know, 15, maybe 16, sometimes 13% alcohol, but a potential alcohol of upwards of 20 or 30. So, the potential is what actually can be fermented to dry, but the strength is either what you're going for or what you're trying to achieve within the style you're making the wine in. So the reason I'm saying, well, I mean, this is a really cool term. Um, bricks is, is, is pretty cool, the word. <laughs> the thing is, for you as a wine lover out there buying wine, you don't really need to know about bricks. You don't need to know the bricks of a, of a wine. But again, because of the, like we were talking about last episode, they're putting residual sugar on websites. They're also putting bricks. Like it's just more, people are trying to give us more information saying, Hey, this is how I make my wine. Trying not to have any gauziness between the winemaker and the consumer. So sometimes these, this data is put on item pages for wines and different fact sheets. And I just wanted to like give you guys a little bit of an idea of what it is. There's no reason like you're not, if you see bricks on an item list, that shouldn't really deter you from buying the wine. It's just an indication of what they were looking at when they were in the vineyard or maybe when they were weighing it through fermentation. That's it. That's it. But, you know, if you do hear somebody talking about bricks and they say 23 bricks, that's kind of your anchor for the alcohol that is sort of like, okay, that's 13.5. 23 bricks is about 13%, 13.5% alcohol. You go up or down, you can't, you can't see where that's going. But other than that, it's just information for you to understand and enjoy maybe. I'm not really sure if this helps you enjoy wine or not, but it's just a really good term to have in your head when you go out there in the wine world. Maybe you're doing a vineyard tour. You know, maybe you're at a, maybe you're at a tasting room and the person tasting is like all about bricks and you're like, hey, I know what that means. I'm not confused. I got this. Bricks. Adolf Bricks. Carl Balling. I know. 1880s. I know. Sucrose. Fructose. Glucose. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, guys, next week we're going to get nice with some Noble Rot. I'll talk to you next week. Vine Pair Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. Ian J. Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.